Welcome back to the Librarian Linkover Podcast. I am your host, Laureen Kennard. I love it when librarians take their library education and experiences and start a business. My guest today is Dr. Audrey Barbakoff. She is the CEO of CoLab Capacity, which partners with libraries and social good organizations to design solutions and plans that expand community relationships. She has also worked in a variety of roles in public and academic libraries. Dr. Barbakoff, welcome to the Librarian Linkover. Thank you so much for having me, Lorena. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. The public library staff interact with the community every day. Staff have an idea of what the community wants by what kinds of questions they are asked and what kind of books are checked out. Sometimes community members will come to a board meeting to speak during the public comment session. Why should public libraries take that next step to partnering with community organizations? Mm. Partnering with community organizations has so many benefits on a number of levels. So thinking about you asking your question about, you know, the public coming to board meetings. Um, so I want to focus first on that, that advocacy role. Partnering is a really incredible way for the community to find out and understand what libraries do. Right? So often we'll sort of hear that question of our library still relevant or what does the library really do? Um, you know, people just think about books. So when we partner with community organizations, we are working with the community where they are to achieve goals that they know that they already hold, that they already believe are important to them. And we're there, we're helping. We're not saying, hey, we're the separate entity over here that does our own thing. We have these resources, we're putting them at your disposal. So not only do we get really great services that way, you know, not only do we come up with really great programs, uh, not only you know, do we get our resources out there and improve our stats, we're really building advocates when we do this. We're, we're creating forums where people understand what the library does and, and where, where they get to see us in action. So when you think about you know, people in the public standing up to, to talk at a board meeting or just talking with their friends right, at a, at a, at a dinner party or something, um, when we partner with the community, they really see why we matter and what we can do. And that, that really creates advocates for the library. That's awesome. The resources are already there. You might as well use them, right? Absolutely. When you're talking with prospective clients, what problems do they say they have that they want your help in solving? So um, I do a lot of work around helping people put that talk into action. We hear a lot in, in library land about community, centering community, about equity, um, but it can be hard for us to know how to operationalize that and how to take that and just make it a part of our core work. We're already so busy in libraries, right? People have so many competing priorities. There's so many different things that we can do and so many different you know, needs that we're trying to meet and goals we're trying to support. Um, so helping to prioritize, um, I do a lot of kind of like strategic planning, action planning, um, helping to prioritize the work, but then also helping to shift the way we do our work so that um, we can walk the talk right? so that we, we have the capacity to do that. What do community partners, how do, sorry, how do community partners benefit from con connecting with public libraries? How much time do we have? <laughs> we have all the time in the world. <laughs> I mean, because that's a topic I could really, you know, I could go on about all day. But 
um, you know, there's some of the, the core benefits for community partners. Um, one, of course, is, is the resources of the library. And, and foremost among those, by the way, uh, is the librarian, is, is you, you know, Yay. those of you listening. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, your, uh, don't undervalue your research expertise, your project management expertise. Um, we know how to do and find so many things, the way that you can sift through huge amounts of information to find what's relevant, what's accurate, what's timely, right? Organizations need that. Any kind of effort that people are, are going to, um, you know, whatever, whether it be a program or whether they're looking for information or, or whatever they're working on, whatever you're partnering for, um, people need and can benefit from the resources that we have to offer, which often they don't know about, you know, thinking about things like, especially when we get beyond books, right? Databases and programs and that kind of thing. But your expertise, right, is, is just enormously helpful. You being there in the moment to, to know what is needed and to be able to bring your skills, it's, it's huge. Really can't, can't overestimate the, can't underestimate the importance of that. <laughs> well, and I think one thing libraries are not good at is promoting their skills, like promoting what libraries do, but promoting librarian skills. Mm -hmm. we, we don't do a lot of that. It's so true. Or we do it in using language that's very library specific. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we, don't, we don't talk about it in ways that, that make sense to you or that, that resonate with just members of the public. Mm -hmm. And coming in, they will find out once mm -hmm. they use our services. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about planning. How often should a library update their strategic plan? Yeah. So uh, first of all, uh, you should have a strategic plan. <laughs> <laughs> ever Step is a one. really good starting point yeah um, and uh that i mean that that i think that that's important to say because we, there are lots of organizations not just libraries but especially you know you're small um you know you're, you're sort of smaller scrappier organizations like you're so in the day-to-day -day that even to think about taking time for planning is, is mm -hmm. very daunting and can feel kind of overwhelming and can you know it doesn't it doesn't feel as important as that urgent thing that's that needs to happen tomorrow. Um, so, it, but it is really important to take time to plan. So I recommend uh, libraries generally at this point use a, approximately a five-year horizon. There are hmm. a few different ways to go about planning. Um, I used to hear for a traditional strategic plan, something like uh, three years. The thing is in order to do a strategic plan really well, um, you don't wanna plan necessarily to like, to be a giant dusty binder that just sits there forever, mm -hmm. right? Um, that tries to list out everything you're gonna do for the next umpteen years. Um, if COVID taught us anything, you know, it is that mm -hmm. you can't predict what's going to happen, right? So um, your plan should really be more of a, a guiding framework. And you wanna, you wanna take some time and really use this as an opportunity to go to the community and connect with the community and really listen deeply. So. If you if you try to do that every um, every three years, like there's no time to actually do the work in the plan, mm -hmm. you know, like by the time you've really gotten projects rolling and moving, especially if you're trying to do work that is very community led, that takes time. So I find three years um, to be a little crunched. Um, so for that traditional strategic plan, I like a five-year horizon. You still need to do annual planning, right? You still need to stop every every year. And ideally, you have constant conversations, right? Every quarter, even every month, just like, how are we doing, right? Um, what should we be focusing on? 
so it's not a one and done. Um, there, I will say there is another way of planning. I'm seeing more and more libraries um, start using uh, techniques from futurism and foresight, um, where you're using scenarios rather than a traditional strategic plan. Where, mm. um, yeah, and the way that you do that is you kind of you look at trends. And when I say trends, I don't mean things that are trendy. I mean, um, things that are unfolding, right? Things that we see happening now that are likely, we think are likely to intensify in the future, um, to have more influence on us in the future. And we start imagining, well, in a best case, basically in a best case scenario, what could this look like? In a worst case scenario, what could this look like? In a kind of status quo scenario, right? So you, you build worlds essentially, and then you envision what these different trends could look like um, or how they might unfold. And then you develop policies and practices that kind of allow you to minimize the risks of your worst case and optimize the benefits of your best case. Um, so that's you know uh, something that has evolved over decades that I've just tried to explain in 45 seconds. So uh, pardon me, <laughs> <laughs> the kind of the broad strokes there. But um, when well, you do we appreciate that, that, you need that a much summary. longer. <laughs> Um, but when you do that kind of planning, you need a much longer horizon. That's looking 10, 20, 50 years out, wow. you know, thinking more about, less about kind of the like, what will we do tomorrow? What will we do this year? And more about how do we create organizations that are prepared and resilient? So more big picture than mm -hmm. more specifics. Yeah, you so can derive kind of... specifics out of that, but it starts at that long, long term. Mm -hmm. That kind of leads me to my next question. What should a strategic plan accomplish? I'm wondering like how many goals is good for a number? How many goals is a good number for a library to set? How many, you kind of talk about how many years the plan should cover. Um, does it depend on the size of the organization or how long it's been since they planned or like how many goals is a good number? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it certainly depends on the organization. Every every organization is unique. I think the, the big thing is, I want to go back to the beginning of your question, what should a strategic plan do? Right, And a strategic plan really should tell you how to focus your limited time and resources over a set period of time, right, in sort of the near term, the next few years. Um, so it's got to be actionable. It has to be useful. So um, if it is if you have a million goals, you've locked yourself in too much because now you have no capacity left to respond to the things that come up. And sometimes those are, you know, big, life-changing pandemic type things. And sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're just, you know, someone comes to you from the community with a cool idea and, and you want to run with it. So um, it's important not to, and it, it's just not useful, right? To try to like lock yourself in with a million goals. You can't accomplish it all. And when you try to do, when you try to prioritize everything, you've effectively prioritized nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. So you you do want to have a limited number. Um, I often, just as kind of a rule of of thumb, I, I often kind of have libraries identify like three to five kind of big strategic buckets, and then each of those might have somewhere in the general vicinity of three goals under each of them. Um. And you want those goals to be specific enough that you know if you're accomplishing them, <laughs> that there's something that you can observe or measure or track, um, so you know how you're doing, right? Not mm -hmm. data for the sake of data, um, but you still want them to be high level enough that you you can be flexible and you can you can evaluate opportunities as they arise and say, you know, does this help accomplish our big strategy or not? 
Interesting. And that's what you can do is help the library figure out how broad and like how how many goals and what would be what would work best for their library. Yeah, so I create a process basically. I facilitate a process where the library really goes to their community and finds out what what should we prioritize based on what the community really cares about, what their goals and aspirations are. Um, not just what do they want from the library, but what do they want in their community? Right? What, are, what are their own hopes and dreams? And then for us to think about how can the library most effectively play a role in accomplishing that? And then getting into thinking about that number is like, what's really within our capacity to do, right? What's, what's realistic? Um, what should we be prioritizing with the, the time and, and the money and the staff that we do have? Interesting. <clears throat> Sometimes libraries spend a lot of money and time on a strategic plan. And then, like you said, they put it in a nice binder and put it on the shelf and it's forgotten. How do you encourage libraries to use the plan as a guide to hiring, technology, programming, or whatever their goals are in the plan? Absolutely. You want that plan to be a living document. So again, like when I do a plan, it's I can summarize the main points of that plan on one page. Yeah, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. two-sided, but, <laughs> but one page. Um, uh, because the point is, it should be something you can you can tack up in front of your desk, right? That you like you can put in front of your face that you can refer to regularly because it should be a guide for decision making. So to be able to say this decision that I'm trying to make, should I do this program? Should I hire for this position? Whatever it is, to say in what way does this help us reach the the picture of the future that we're that we've created with this plan? Right? It should really be a decision making tool. So. You do want to kind of formally revisit it, right? To maybe do action planning sessions each year and say, you know, what parts of this plan are we gonna focus on now? What are our specific goals gonna be for this year? Um, you can check in, you know, quarterly, how are we doing? Um, but really just making it part of your daily life is huge. So um, when I was a, a manager in a library, I would use our, our goals or our strategies as the outline for our staff meeting agendas, mm. for example. Great idea. In the public library I work in, the strategic plan is available. There's also like a one sheet summary. Mm -hmm. And whenever we want to get a program or event or services approved on the approval form is you have to check the box saying, which one of these goals does it meet? Which one of it does it fall into? So we can't do anything if it doesn't fall into one of our goals for the strategic plan. So we're using ours. Fantastic. It's, it's yeah, a nice absolutely. guideline, nice guideline. That's a great way to do it. And I will say in order for to use it that way, it's really important that you don't try to make your plan do everything, right? So often I see libraries make strategic plans where you could make any program or any idea fit into one of those buckets, right? So it's not really <laughs> helping you prioritize. Um, right. You don't need to have every operational thing that you do crammed into your strategic plan, right? It's really about where are the places you wanna grow or change or focus. It doesn't need to include and encompass like every single thing that you do, because then again, it's not useful. Right. Interesting. So how do you find your clients? Who's your target market? Because you could do not, you know, you probably could do like other organizations besides libraries. Absolutely. Right? And um, yeah, and my doctorate is not library specific. Uh, it's just organizational leadership and change. Um, and actually, I was one of only, I think, two librarians in my in my cohort. Um, so absolutely, you know, these these techniques are very applicable, especially in nonprofits, but really in, in any type of, of social good or mission-driven organization. Um, uh, but in terms of how I find clients, honestly, at, at this point, oftentimes they're they're finding me. 
Um, it's a small community. It's word of mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I try to let my, my work speak for itself. That's really my big marketing tactic is to do good work, <laughs> to pay it forward, to, you know, really care about the, the clients and the libraries and the communities that I'm working with. Um, and hope that, that they'll let someone else know that they had a great experience. That's awesome. So switching gears a little bit, when you work for yourself, you rarely have or you have time or take time for yourself. How do you manage a reasonable work-life balance? Or do you manage a reasonable work-life balance? <laughs> I try. I try. Um, definitely working for yourself makes you realize that, uh, well, it's both the, the benefit and the the burden of, of being in control of that, right? It's mm-hmm. recognizing that the only person who is overloading me is me. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm in my own way sometimes on that but it is really important and it, it's funny because uh, something that I, I I teach right and um, to both to my my library school students when I teach management uh, courses at the University of Washington or um, just in webinars for professional associations is about you know managing burnout and having healthy boundaries so um, I feel kind of an obligation to to live that a bit but you know, I just really, I make a point of having some set times. I think that's important to say, you know, sort of here's generally when I start for the day, when I stop for the day, um, keep, just keeping really close track of what I'm committing to. Um, I don't ever want a, a client to feel like they're not getting enough of my attention or time. So mm-hmm. it's not just about my boundaries, right? And my, for my, my well-being, it's also about being able to honor and respect the time of the folks I'm working with. Um, so I just try to be really conscious and recognizing that if I'm not, if I'm not in a good place, I'm not going to be able to show up for people in my professional or my personal life for my family. Mm-hmm. So um, a big thing I try to, I live in a beautiful place. I'm, I'm lucky to, to, uh, to do that. So I try to, you know, get out, go for a walk, uh, stay moving, get, get some time in nature. Sounds good. I live in a beautiful place, but right now, well, it's warmer than it has been. We used to be sub-zero a few weeks ago. So looking out the oh, window yeah. is like our activity <laughs> these days. Uh, many librarians are interested in the idea of going into business for themselves. What suggestions can you give to librarians who may want to start a business? Yeah, take take some time up front and think about why you want to start a business and what your what your your niche will be sort of what your mm-hmm. for lack of a better term but like what your focus will be what makes you different um from other folks who are out there i think having having a little bit of a focus um can really help you think about where to start can help you be intentional about getting rolling um it might seem counterintuitive right um the sort of feeling like, well, why do I want to narrow <laughs> what I can do, especially mm-hmm. if I'm just starting out and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to get enough work, right? Um, but I think really, for me, what's a big part of, I think, what has, what has made this successful has been that um, people know what to come to me for, right? My, my jam is community, is community-centered work, is community-led work, and that can take a lot of form, Right. You can do community-led strategic planning. You can do training on being community-led. You can do DEI work related to being community-centered and community-led. Um, you can do evaluation, right? So there's lots of different types of work still. You know, I do a lot of keynote speaking, but I always have that motivating force. 
So I think that that both keeps me energized and it helps people know why they might come to me versus when they might go to someone else. Um, and when people come to me that um, where that's not their focus, I'm very happy to refer them out to, to someone else who can do a, who can do a better job for them. What professional associations have you joined or which ones have you gotten the most out of? Mm -hmm. um, I'm a longtime uh, ALA member um, and within that, um, uh, longtime PLA member. Um, mm -hmm. I was on the board of LAMA before it was core. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so I've kind of found my, my way and also my state library association. So because I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, a librarian who, who then hopped over onto the business side of things. Most of my association kind of work is library focused. There is a library consulting interest group within core. So I'll give a little, a little plug for that. Um, for me, getting started when what really kind of motivated me to make the jump into out of libraries into business, which was very scary <laughs> in the beginning, um, was meeting other consultants, talking to other people doing the work, and sort of saying, "Gosh, is there even really room for one more person? Like, aren't there aren't there enough people kind of doing this sort of thing already? You know, or, or having coming at things from the business side already?" and people were so welcoming and so friendly and said, you know, there's a need for what you're doing and why don't you come work on this project with me? Or, you know, let's just, let's just chat for an hour and I'll tell you about what I do and, and what, what this life is like and, you know, some things you should think about. So I found some really great mentorship, um, some really great partnerships and really, um, you know, people that I, that I still work with to this day. Nice. So why did you go to library school? And based on your career so far, does that reasoning still hold? <laughs> So uh, I started out actually in theater. I was a theatrical lighting designer. <laughs> um, and I just kind of had a light bulb moment that I, I was looking to do something different. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough way to live your life, you know, live theater. <laughs> and I realized that I loved community and stories, right? And that's what drew me to theater. And that's also what drew me to libraries. Mm -hmm. And... Um, this is definitely a direction that I never anticipated going. Um, in my first library job after, after library school, the, uh, the assistant director at the time of the library that I was working at had called me into her office. I was transferring to, a, they were asking me to transfer to a different branch. And she sort of said, well, you know, uh, one of our department you know, heads is, is likely gonna be retiring in a few years. Like, what do you, what is it, do you, do you ever see yourself in management? And I said, no. Absolutely not. I went to library school because I want to be a librarian. If I wanted to be a manager, I would have gotten an MBA. So mm -hmm. I'm sure she uh, was laughing to herself quietly mm -hmm. when I ended up having a very management-focused career. Um, but, um, you know, ultimately, I, I'm so glad that I went to that I went to library school. I think that the skills that I that I learned and the people that I met just continue to really inform and inspire me every day. Um, even though I'm not working in a library and I'm working with libraries, it is my passion for the public good of what mm -hmm. we do, the impact of what we do, the importance of libraries in our society. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning, right? The, the way that we are making better communities. And it's the deep knowledge of how libraries work and how we make that happen that um, that lets me be effective. So I'm, I wouldn't change a thing. Good. Good to hear. We're lucky to have you in our profession.
Where can where can people find your business if someone wants to contact you about training or planning or keynoting? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so my company is called Collapse Capacity, C-O slash L-A-B. Um, you can uh, find me collapsecapacity.com. Obviously, no slash in the uh, in the URL. Um, and you can, you know, find me on on the socials, uh, mostly via LinkedIn is the best way to, to contact me. And my, my email is Audrey at collabcapacity.com. So folks are welcome to reach out to me. Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This has been really interesting. Thanks, Lorraine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to Dr. Audrey, Audrey Barbakoff for being my guest today in the Librarian Linkover. Thank you for supporting my podcast. Please like and follow the Librarian Linkover on your favorite podcast app. Follow on social media and visit thelibrarianlinkover.com. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.